Hello, Americana Station podcast listeners. It is your host, Will Payne Harrison. I am happy to be with you today. Uh, I am up in the ante. I'm going to be putting out a lot of podcasts in the next month or so. The reason being that uh, I have the time, so why not put it out? Uh, Today, we have Eva Cassell, and um, she is from California, went to Berklee School of Music, and has a degree in songwriting and is releasing an EP here soon. On Friday, August 20, Saturday, August 22nd, she is doing her live stream of her for her EP release. And so I wanted to put this uh, episode out ahead of that so that you can tune in on Saturday on her Facebook page and listen in. We talk about streaming and all that stuff. So I have a few playlists on Spotify that I've added to um, the Americana Highways playlist. I have a new Nashville Americana one. I have a new school honky tonk playlist. And uh, now I have Will's top 10 of the week. So every week I'm going to be changing that one out for songs that I really enjoy. Right now I have Fly Up from uh, Mona Lisa Tribe, which they'll be on the next episode of the podcast. I have Steve Judice. Uh, he did a song dedicated to Guy Clark, and Steve's going to be on the podcast here soon. So make sure you check out that top 10. Lots of good stuff that's uh, in there. Lots of stuff you might not have heard. Um, my whole goal is to listen to up-and-coming stuff, stuff that's sort of um, not as popular and uh, get some light shed on that. So if you want to be on the cutting edge, uh, let me be your eyes and ears for Nashville. And not even Nashville. Steve's from uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You know, um, a lot of the people on there are from all over. So go check out my Spotify. It's Will Payne Harrison. And I've got uh, several playlists that you can follow. Make sure that you follow me as well. I have a, a single coming out. Um, Nashville Noise, some good friends of mine at Nashville Noise uh, were so kind to feature me as their music crush of the month. So if you want to check out NashvilleNoise.com, there's a few articles. I think there's uh, an interview that I just did with uh, Cody Howell on uh, this weekend and uh, should be up this coming week. Make sure you check out AmericanaHighways.org as well. They've been so kind to me. They've let me do some po- uh, some playlisting there, um, and they've also featured my podcast on the platform. I have the Americana Station's Backroad playlist on Spotify, um, which you should hopefully already be following if you listen to this podcast I would appreciate that and uh, also Rodney Matoyer has one on Apple Music if you're an Apple Music person he's featuring a lot of the similar artists Uh, we kind of run in similar scenes so uh, the playlists are uh, pretty similar so you'll get a a lot of the same if you're on Apple Music uh, make sure you check out his playlist which is called Down State Uh, I wanted to give uh, some shout outs on Twitter, I asked some people uh, what new music I should check out. Um, so I want to give a shout out to Music City Memo, Terry Quartz, Jason Scott, Jessica Witte, uh, Mr. Andrew, um, Will Kayuk, uh, and of course Rachel Hurley. Um, and there's a few other people on here. We got uh, Hungry George, and um, then a couple of people submitted their own music, Jason Price. Uh, and Bill Bunting. Thanks so much for commenting and uh, sharing some new music with me. I always appreciate it. I like to keep my uh, eyes open. Um, so please tweet me at Will P. Harrison 
on Twitter. Um, if you have any suggestions on things I should listen to, some of the suggestions were Gangster Grass. Uh, we had several Arlo McKinney's, which I've already got my eyes on, and uh, I really enjoy his music. And uh, there was one, if I do, sorry, I'm looking at my Twitter right now, uh, Matt Rawlings, who did uh, some stuff with, uh, he did some stuff with Lyle Lovett and Allison Krauss. He has, a, he has a really good record out right now. That's Matt Ma- Rawlings. I'm definitely going to have to add him uh, to one of my lists soon. And uh, so thanks everyone on Twitter. Shout out to all of you guys for giving me some feedback on what uh, you're listening to. That helps out a lot. Um, and I also just in the middle of doing this monologue here, got a uh, response from Matt Mahalo, who is doing a portrait of me on his profile. So thank you, Matt Mahalo. It looks awesome. I can't wait to see the finished product. Um, Go give him a follow on Instagram. All right, let's talk about Eva Cassell. Eva grew up in Half Moon Bay, California, in a small farming and fishing town 40 minutes south of San Francisco. She grew up listening to Led Zeppelin, Stevie Wonder, Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, and Bonnie Raitt. Eva went to Berkeley's College of Music uh, with a voice principal and a songwriting major. Um, when she graduated in 2017, she moved to Nashville. Uh, as you will find out in the episode, she was chosen as one of six to do a songwriting clinic at Berkeley with John Mayer, um, which she calls her claim to fame currently. Um, so her new EP, Spaces You Crawl In Between, releases this Friday on August 21st. And she has a free live stream show on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, August 22nd. So, without further ado, let's talk to Eva Cassell. Um, so how's it going? How's quarantine life for you? It's um, It's been a trip, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I feel like at the beginning of quarantine, I was pretty devastated and just kind of like, I feel like more than anything, just um, not knowing when it's going to be over is super, super hard. Yeah. Um, I feel like if it had an end date, it would be much easier to say, okay, well, I just have to survive in this environment for this long. Right. Um, But kind of not having that in the beginning, I was like, you know, this changes my entire life, as I'm sure you experienced too, being a musician, you know. Yeah. Are you a, a uh, touring musician? Uh, a little. I've, I, well, so this year was going to be like the year that I started doing a bunch right. more touring, of course. Um, and then obviously didn't end up being that way. So I had, I actually um, was originally going to release this EP back in April. Um, and then I had like two or three tours planned after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind of changing, you know, my whole lifestyle and, and I, I teach, um, voice lessons and songwriting lessons and, uh, you know, had to adapt to doing everything over zoom, which I was right. really apprehensive about, but it's actually worked out way better than I 
would have imagined. I was apprehensive about doing Zoom for podcasting because yeah. it doesn't sound as good. But so far, most people have had USB mics and it sounded okay. It's just harder to mix because um, yeah. I can't isolate the tracks, but it's it's been, it's better. I mean, I can't get people here in person right now. So right. really the only way to get the podcast out. So it's been good. Um, yeah. So you're originally from California. Uh, California from San Francisco? Yeah. yeah, I grew up um in a little town called Half Moon Bay, okay. which everyone's always like, that sounds like a fairy tale town. Yeah, the Bay Area. Um so it's about forty minutes south of San Francisco. Okay. Um you can take the like the coast all the way down. It's a little yeah. farming farming fishing town. Awesome. And then you moved to Boston to go to Berkeley. Yes, I started in 2013, um, but I'm a little young for my grade. So I actually started college um, when I was 17 and then turned 18 within that semester. But I got a lot of shit for being in college and not being able to vote uh, <laughs> for the first couple months there. <laughs> yeah. So um, you were you always a songwriter? Did you, were you part of the San Francisco or the Bay Area scene or did you just kind of like develop as you went to Berkeley? Um, yeah, I've, I was always a songwriter. I mean, I would say I was in the scene, but I was like a weirdo teenager, you know, not having any clue what I was doing. So, you know, I went to open mics and um, there's still one open mic that I'll go to that's actually in Half Moon Bay um, at Cameron's pub shout out to them um that i used to go to every week pretty much in high school um and then i also played some stuff in the city but um yeah i i didn't really know what i was doing so i feel like i wasn't i can't say i was like super involved in the scene you know i yeah. feel like i've gotten almost more involved since i was at Berkeley and then I would come back for, you know, winter break or a summer or something. And then I would try and book a ton of stuff. Um, so I think I got more into it then. It's an interesting scene. I've only been to the West coast once. Um, a friend yeah. of mine lived out there. I think it was Sacramento and, uh, we did a, a little West coast run and it's, it's definitely a completely different scene. Like there's not a lot of Americana out there. Yeah. Very like, like indie and like metal and like, it's, yeah. It's a different scene for sure. Yeah, that's definitely true, especially in San Francisco. There's yeah. so many like punk roots, you yeah. know, and like No Doubt um, came out of San Francisco and like all these kind of like rock, punk, um, just like loud, angsty <laughs> people, which yeah. I love too. And I feel like that definitely um, is a big part of me and my music still, but. So how did you grow up listening to like Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, Bonnie Raitt, whenever you were probably going to punk shows, I imagine, in the Bay Area? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, Joni Mitchell was definitely my mom. She is a big fan of Joni Mitchell. And um, when I first started taking voice lessons, I just wanted to like show off, you know? Um, and so I love to sing songs with like huge, uh, 
ranges that went really high and really low. Yeah. Um, like musical theater, like totally dramatic, crazy shit. And then I remember my mom being like, oh, well, this is this is some cool stuff, too. And Joni Mitchell has a big range, too. And I remember like listening to Joni Mitchell CDs in the car, like going to the grocery store and stuff. Um, so that was definitely her. And then James Taylor, um, my best friend growing up at the time, um, was really, really into James Taylor. And that kind of like opened a gateway into Bruce Springsteen um, and that whole kind of land. And then my dad was really into, um, he really loves like 90s uh female artists like he got me into Fiona Apple, Lannis Morissette, Tori Amos, yeah. like all those people. Um and then he also loves like Steely Dan and Led Zeppelin and um Stevie Wonder was a big one. So and then I had the influence of like my friends and um my nanny growing up was really into like No Doubt and a bunch of punk stuff and like weird indie Is it stuff. like in California, like the Laurel Canyon thing is just ingrained in all of y'all that you have to like, like those kind of folky. <laughs> I think so. I, it definitely was for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But I feel like uh, not all of my friends were into it, but I would definitely say most of my friends were into at least one artist who yeah. kind of fell into that category. That's awesome. So are your parents musicians as well? How did, how did you kind of get into the music songwriting realm? So, um, neither of them are professional musicians. Um, no one really in my family is a professional musician, but they've always been like really avid music lovers. And, um, my mom grew up singing in choir and, uh, got an acoustic guitar and wrote a bunch of songs in college. And um, my dad has always been super into going to concerts and just always had music on in the car. Um, we always had music on in the house when I was growing up. So it was just kind of like around. Um, and my mom still sings all the time. And my dad um, plays guitar and has gotten really into that, um, which is super fun because we can nerd out about guitars and he knows more about like pedals and stuff that I, than I do. I feel like he's kind yeah. of helping bring me into that world. So. Do you have a, yeah. a Nashville band um, or do you just kind of hire out? Cause I know that um, in most scenes you have a set band, but it's kind of weird here. Um, to really have a set group of musicians who are, you know, in it with you. Everybody kind of has that songwriter. I play for the songwriter mentality here. Right, right. Yeah, um, I, I have a set band. Um, and as, you know, so I, I've been here for three years now. Yeah, three years, crazy. Um, and that's kind of the lineup, the lineup has changed a little bit. Um, right. And as everyone has gotten busier, um, I've had to find subs more because other people realized how amazing my band members are. Right. <laughs> and I was like, shit, now, now they're so busy. I have to book stuff like months in advance, especially like my bass player, Steve Hahn, is just like, shout out to him, uh, playing with everybody, which is great. And I'm so stoked for him. But now yeah. I have like, you know, okay, here's my number one 
uh, sub for him. And so right. I have subs for everybody, but I, I do have um, a set group that um, played on the record with me and, you know, I have my top people kind of. So you, you've had to kind of uh, roll with the punches with the pandemic. And initially you were planning on doing like an album release uh, at a live venue. Now you're doing a stream on August 22nd. Um, are you doing that with a full live band? Are you doing that solo? Um, what are the details of the stream? Yeah. So, um, I'm doing it solo. I was kind of back and forth on it. Um, but you know, it's just so hard to navigate this whole thing and everyone has a different, um, level of comfort with the pandemic. And, uh, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. And I was like, you know what it would be, why not? Since I can't play a show in a crowded venue, that's really loud and like full band. Why don't I just go completely in the opposite direction? Yeah. Um, Because it's not at all what I planned. So I'm just trying to lean into that, I guess. Um, So I'm going to do it totally solo. Um, I'm just going to make a little setup in my living room and, you know, put some pretty twinkly lights up and light some candles and just have it be me and the guitar and, um, planning on talking about the whole process of the record and um, some of like stories about the songs and just making it a very intimate experience. Like I want it to feel like we're all just kind of hanging out because we can't actually hang out right now. So it's so awkward. It's, it's, uh, have you done this live stream stuff? I've said this on every podcast. It's so awkward and like, weird and then like you're in the middle of the <laughs> yeah. song and someone comments and you forget your words and it's such a bizarre thing yes dude yeah. yeah it's been such a learning curve i the first time i went to do a live stream i was like okay whatever i got this like instagram yeah. i'm hip i know what's up right and then i started the live stream and i got so distracted like you're saying by people's comments you know and like it like um people from high school that I haven't talked to in forever would be like, what's up? And I'd be like, Oh wow. Like what's up dude. And I totally just like lose track of what I was doing. And I got so distracted or, you know, someone who I like, you know, someone in the music community that I'm friends with, but I also really admire would join. And I'd be like, Oh, I better not fuck up now. Like things like that. So, um, I kind of learned to just like not pay attention Mm-hmm. or try my best not to while I'm playing and then in between songs be like, Oh, what's up? But it yeah. took a minute for sure. Well, the other thing is like, uh, I've been performing, uh, I'm having an EP come out in October and I've been doing single stuff. So I've been performing awesome. the new songs. And so I don't have the muscle memory cause I haven't been out performing them. And so I have literally every time I play one of the new songs or like I, I did a cover song from um, a band back home on the new EP. And so I don't know all the words cause I don't sing it all the time. And I've, every right. time I've gone live, I always mess them up. I'm like mid song and I'm like, Nope, next song. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. And it's hard when you don't have that like live energy, you know? Right. It feels like you're playing in your room. Yeah. Cause you are. Yeah. But you are. Yeah. At the same time, like, all these people hopefully are, are watching. Yeah. Um, but it's so strange. Like 
I, I knew that I wasn't going to get like a round of applause at the end of my songs, but what I wasn't expecting is to just have like no vibe, you know, even if people don't yeah. applaud, like you still, when you're playing live, you kind of can get the sense of the room. And I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes depending on how it feels, like I'll tell like a weird joke or not, you know, yeah. it's just like, you have to feel it out and you just like, cannot do that. I think that's, you know, different people, I guess, live for different parts of the live performance. But what I I live for is feeding off the energy of the crowd and kind of um, catering that towards my performance, you know, because every crowd's different. And um, when you can't do that, it just, it feels like you're falling flat no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see people like going away, like you're like, oh, I got 20 people. Oh, it's 10. Right, right. I yeah. Must be sucking. <laughs> I know, I know. I've also noticed that um, people, I mean, maybe this is just me not having as broad of a uh, knowledge of social media, but mm-hmm. I've noticed that people on Instagram will watch for like a few minutes usually. Yeah. But people on Facebook tend to kind of like stay for the the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Instagram audience is um, attention. Span. Little, yeah, yeah, because exactly, exactly. Because most people on Instagram are a little bit younger and they're just like, you yeah. know, watching people's stories and they're like, oh, you was live. I'm going to go check that out for a second. Yeah. And then I finish a song and they're like, all right, that was cool. See you later. Like, yeah. and I realize that I do the same thing when my friends are playing live. So right. it's just kind of. Well, because everyone's playing live too. So you're like, okay, now I'm going to check out this person. Now I'm going to check out this person. So it's yes. not like they aren't interested. It's just that everyone's live and they're jumping, especially if you do it in the evening and everyone's jumping yeah. from live stream to live stream. It's kind of like being yeah. at a festival, you know, you run to see one band for a song and then you run to the next. Yes. So true. So true. Um, <laughs> so your songwriting, you went to Berkeley. I, I love yeah. songwriting. That's one of my favorite things to talk about on the podcast. Yay! Um, Me too. And your degrees in songwriting. Did you uh, have Pat Pattinson as a professor at Berkeley? I did, yes. That's awesome. He, yeah, he's the homie. He's a strange man and a really intelligent man, and I love him. <laughs> yeah, I love his books. I've never met him, but... Um, his books are great and have given me a lot of insight into songwriting. I can only imagine how much better it must be to actually have him as a professor. Yeah. Yeah. It was a crazy time. He, he's, um, he's very much, uh, like you kind of got to break through a barrier with him. Yeah. You know, he was very like tough love. Yeah. Um, which I have learned slowly over time that I think I respond really well to that. Um, I don't necessarily think that's like a good thing. Um, cause you know, when I'm teaching voice and songwriting stuff, that's definitely not how I teach. Um, but yeah, I remember him, uh, telling me on a song that I was really proud of. He was like, this is by far your best song, but you fucked up the most important line. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, great. Thanks, Pat. Uh, yeah, a friend of <sighs> went to one of the, a songwriting camp that he was at, and she played the song, and then he came up to her afterwards and was like, fuck you for coming up with that line. And she's like, I think that's good. <laughs> that's great. That's like next level. It must have been yeah. an amazing song. That's so funny. But uh, so you you also got to do a class with John Mayer or a clinic with John Mayer, right? Yes. 
How was that? That's got to be interesting. It was so crazy. I, I mean, I forget it happened all the time. I feel like yeah. that's my like claim to fame at this point in my career, which is <laughs> hilarious. Um, and yeah, I just, the whole thing was very surreal and I definitely blacked out for some of it because I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, John Mayer is like critiquing my song right now. Um, but it it was amazing. And um, I mean, I had a lot of respect for him as an artist before that, just because I, I, I'm a big fan and I think he's such an amazing songwriter. Um, but hearing him talk about songwriting for like two hours in such an articulate way um just like took my respect for him to the next level i mean the dude's like so smart you know yeah. and, and the way he thinks about songwriting it's like equal parts romantic artist like creativity you know mm -hmm. and um he also kind of has an academic perspective on it too. Yeah. Um, the way he talked about, like he talked, he had this idea of solving the song <clears throat> and, uh, you know, he would talk about, you gotta like, it's just like a puzzle and everything is there and it's just about solving it and finding it, finding the right chord right. for, you know, this part in the verse or whatever. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I was like sweating heavily, so nervous, um, but so excited. And um, he, <laughs> so my song that I played for him um, was on my first album and it's called Pretty Girl. Mm -hmm. um, and it was this song that I had written after um, seeing um, this talk. Um, Berkeley has this Nashville trip. Anyway. Um, yeah, I know about that, actually. I went you do? to a Music City Roots thing, and they had all Berkeley people, including Gillian Welch and Dave Rawlings. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bone Burnett and all those guys. Uh, and they were talking about the whole trip. And because before that, I, I know a lot of Berkeley people. I'm like, why the hell are there so many Berkeley people? Like, what is the attraction? And I didn't realize that there's like a whole trip and several of my friends have actually been on the trip that have previously graduated oh that's so cool yeah. yeah that was like um as as it was for many of my friends too i think that was kind of one of the reasons that one of the main reasons that i decided to move here because i was like wow this is amazing um but one of the people who uh talked um oh my gosh i'm suddenly blanking on his name this has never happened to me before um Alan, oh my gosh, I can't, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, he said that our deepest insecurities are the most universal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that can't be true. Like, <laughs> that's like, what a beautiful thing to say, but like, is that actually true? So I decided to um, try and write a song about some of my deepest insecurities. So I wrote the song called Pretty Girl and um, the kind of hook of the song is what's it like to be a pretty girl. And, um, uh, John Mayer was like critiquing it. And, uh, he said, you know, it makes it more powerful that it's a question and not like, a, I'll never be a pretty girl. Woe is me, you know? Yeah. Um, but then he was like, <clears throat> I mean, it's obvious, like you are a pretty girl. 
And I just like <laughs> died, <laughs> died. I turned beet red, um, which is not difficult for me to do. Obviously I'm very fair skinned. So like you could see me for miles away and be like, <laughs> what is wrong with that girl? Um, and instead of forming some like witty response or just being like, thanks, John Mayer. I was like, <laughs> like into the microphone. Uh, so yeah, anyway, that's like one of the highlights of my life for sure. For so many reasons. Um, it was a yeah. crazy experience. That should I'm be on your, uh, all, all of your press release information, you know, when you send out everything. Yeah. Obviously you're a pretty girl, John Mayer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but he's yeah, he's amazing. I'm I'm so grateful for that experience for so many reasons. That's awesome. So, um did you change anything based on his feedback in the song or was it So, yeah, well, it's interesting cuz um Is it a co-write? <laughs> no, it's not a co-write. Good question though. Yeah. Um I had already released the song Um, on my album. Um, but it was my favorite song that I had written at that time. So I was like, whatever, I'm just going to play it anyway. Um, but I actually, I ended up taking down that album. Um, because I felt like, you know, it was the first album that I'd ever recorded. And I was like, this is just so different from the stuff I'm doing now. And I feel like, just the level of professionalism wasn't where I wanted it to be. Cause yeah. and I really struggled with it because I think there's a difference between, um, I think it's generally good to leave everything up because people who are really big fans are going to want to see that progression and, you know, they don't care, um, if you don't like it. And I feel like every record you put out, you're going to be like, Oh, this one though is way more sick than the last, you know? (laughs) Um, but I just was like, it was, it was just, it just felt amateur to me. So I ended up taking it down, but, um, it's still on Bandcamp for, uh, you know, my huge fans. (laughs) Yeah, no, I (laughs) totally understand that. I self, recorded my first record when I first moved to Nashville and yeah. I, I don't love the way it sounds. I, I still have physical CD copies, but I pulled it off of all the streaming platforms. And there's an EP that uh, my friend did like for like basically no money that yeah. I did just to have more content. And um, I also, I only did like a hundred CDs and I had it up right. on streaming, but it was mostly covers. Uh, so yeah. I pulled all that down too. So I totally, yeah. I get that. Like, it's the same thing. It's like, you want, the the hardcore fans to to i guess have access to it but then i'm also like um i kind of just started with my first professional recording which was actually like you know my second record and kind of pulled down yeah. some of the older stuff yeah yeah well. your stuff sounds great man i've i was listening to thank your you. your spotify this morning i was like getting pumped up oh thank it you sounds awesome yeah I appreciate it um so did it's kind of circling back to the Nashville. Trip, yeah. Did you, were you considering like Los Angeles or New York or another city, Chicago, something like that before you came to Nashville? Yeah, I was. Um, I mean, I, I really, um, until I came on the Nashville trip, I was like, man, I have no idea. It would be nice to go back to California. Um, yeah. just cause I love California so much, but, um, 
I've never felt really at home in LA and that could totally be my like deep rooted bias against LA because of being from San Francisco and that weird thing. Um, but I just never felt like I really fit in there. Um, and then I also visited New York and as badly as I want to be a New Yorker, because Mm -hmm. I, I think New York is so amazing and beautiful and badass. I just think it's not right for me. I think I would get overwhelmed. Um, and I love visiting, but I I don't know. Part of me still wants to like live in New York for a year just to do it. But, um, I think the thing that ultimately determined moving to Nashville was the cost of living and, um, the songwriting community. Um, is it, was it a weird transition moving to a Southern state? when you've never really been to one before? Yes, <laughs> it was such a crazy transition. I mean, I, I really just didn't know what to expect really. Um, yeah. Because, so I, I grew up in California uh, and then when I moved to Boston, you know, it was not only West Coast to East Coast, it was like small farming town to yeah the middle of Boston. So that was a crazy culture shock. And then, um, my extended family, both my parents are from the Midwest. So I've also spent a bunch of time in the Midwest and then I have some family on the East coast as well. Um, but I'd never really spent time in the South. Like I'd never been to the South before I went on that Berkeley Nashville trip. So I felt like it was a huge transition when I moved to Boston and then another huge transition when I moved down here. I was like, it's way too hot, first of all. And <laughs> I'm from Louisiana. So this is nice. this is like nothing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I, ca- I cannot, I cannot even imagine. I thought Boston was hot. And then I moved down oh here God. and I was like, <laughs> what is, how do people live like this? You know? Right. Um, now I feel like I've, I've kind of acclimated much more than I ever thought I would. Um, but yeah, just kind of like going from that super fast paced East coast, like, you know, everyone has their earbuds in all the time at the grocery store and you like, don't really talk to the cashier. So fast. So fast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You don't. (laughs) Yeah. And then I moved down here and I was like, you know, going to the grocery store, going to coffee shops and everyone was like, Hey honey, how you doing? And I was like, why are you calling me honey? Like, you don't know me. Like, this is weird. You're like, I have a boyfriend. Leave me alone. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're just being nice. Yeah. They're just being nice. And now that I've been here for a while, I love it. I've totally acclimated and, you know, I go back to Boston like once a year um, to teach at these summer programs at, at Berkeley, um, for like a week or whatever. Um, every time I go back, I like have that kind of culture shock again. Cause I'll be like, you know, doing whatever. And I'll be like, how's your day going? And they're like, they're like yeah, bitch, why are you talking yeah. to me? Yeah. 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 It's well, really funny. It, it, even though I came from the South moving here, the, there were weird transitions because like, you know, in Louisiana, you know, all your neighbors, you know, like how their mom's doing and stuff like that. And so, uh, and this is like a a transient town with a lot of different cultures, but you know, I don't know anything about any of my neighbors, uh, try to talk to them. They look at you weird. So uh, it's definitely like even, I feel like even more friendly in Louisiana. Yeah. And so there's, there's definitely been some 
I remember when I first got here and I'd be like, Hey, and they just like the neighbor look at you. Like, why are you talking to me? Right. Right. Um, so is, is Nashville, like, does Nashville feel like the big city to you? Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. Well, it um, yeah. When I first moved it, because the town that I'm from is only like 200,000 people, um, which I mean, well, the town I grew up in was about like maybe a thousand people. It was a very country town. But then I went to college in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, and it's it's much bigger, but it's not like New Orleans or anything like that. So right. I, I had experience with big cities with like New Orleans and Atlanta and stuff like that. But um yeah. I hadn't lived, ever lived in a big city. So this to me is a big city. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love, I love both, you know, I love that rural life and going out to cabins in the woods or going out to, I worked on a goat farm for a while in high school and yeah. uh, I, I love that stuff, you know? And then I also love living in the city. Like I had so much fun when I lived in Boston. I loved living in an apartment. But then when I moved down here, I was so excited to move into a house and have a yard. I just, I think I just need to go back and forth, you know? It's kind of best of both worlds. Cause you can, you know, you're like, I got to get out of the city and you drive like 20 minutes and you're there. You yeah. are. Yeah. You know, yeah. Great. That's but, so true. Yeah. You can't really do that quite as much in Boston or New York. Or yeah. Not LA. <laughs> yeah. Cause you don't even have a car when you live in those places because yeah. it doesn't make sense to, so you can't like drive outside the city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So who, where, where was the album recorded and like who helped produce it? Yeah. Okay. So, um, we recorded at Sputnik sound. Okay. Um, and Jeremy Bernstein produced it and engineered it. Um, he's amazing. We spent months beforehand meeting like once or twice a week. I would drive to his house and we would drink buckets of coffee and just like uh, talk in excruciating detail about the songs and the arrangements and the soundscapes and the references. And we just... Um, nerded out about it for months and then um you know he would come to rehearsals with the band and um then we just booked a weekend in the studio and we did like two 13 14 hour days um which all was, live. yeah which was so fun so we live tracked um the band uh which included me on my, on my last record i kind of tracked later um yeah. But one of my things in the past four years has been uh, getting better at guitar and, you know, getting good enough to confidently call myself a guitar player. Um, so I got to feel like I was not just the artist, but like a part of the band because we were yeah. all in this live room together tracking. And then I went back and um, did the lead vocals. Um, and I, I would track the lead vocals right after we track the song which was really cool and i'd never done it that way before it was always like all right this time is for tracking the band and then we'll do the the vocals later you know yeah um but i i really like doing it that way because you just kind of be in the world of this whatever song you're working on for you know two hours yeah. um and then move on to the next song so it was it was cool to like record it with the band and then you know they would go 
do whatever, take a break. And I would be like, all right, let's go right into the vocal booth um, and track the lead vocals for that. Um, did you do your own harmonies or anything? I did. So I, I sang um, a lot of the harmonies and then um, my bass player, Steve Hahn, is an amazing, amazing singer. Mm-hmm. And our voices just uh, blend really, really well together. So he did a bunch of them. And then Noah Lubert, my keys player, also amazing singer. Um, they both of them actually went to Berkeley too. Um, and yeah, so they, they sang on it as well. Um, but yeah, it was like just this magical weekend just to get being a in the little, studio. Yeah. To get a little nerdy like your dad. Yeah. What kind of like amps and pedals were you using when you recorded? Um, I, with the songs that I heard had electric on them. I don't know if you tra- tracked yes. acoustic as well. Yeah. We tracked acoustic on, on a couple. Um, so I have, I don't know if you've ever heard of Evans custom amps. Um, there it's it's a really small company in like okay. North Carolina, South Carolina, one of the Carolinas. Um, so I had been using um, a Fender Hot Rod Deluxe, yes. like super standard, um, loved it. And then um, my guitar teacher from back home, who my dad still takes lessons with, and we've all just become like really good friends. It was like, I started off as like a little dweeby high schooler. And then um, now we're, we just like hang out and we're all friends and he teaches my dad, but they're like really good friends too. Anyway, so he kind of like introduces my dad to something usually. Yeah. And then my dad's like, yo, check this out. Um, so that's how this happened with the Evans amp. So it's actually a solid state amp, um, which like, as you know, like all guitar players are like, Ooh, like, unless you're a pedal steel player, but yeah. Right. Right. So, um, even Jeremy, my producer was like, I don't know, man, I really think we got it. Like, I doubt this amp is going to sound as good as you say. And then, (laughs) cause he's like the most like analog dude. He works at, um, Welcome to 1979. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very analog. Yeah. Yeah. Very analog. And he's like tube amps or no amps kind of a dude. Um, but he was like, Oh shit, this actually sounds kind of cool. Um, I did use his amp, one of his like vintage tube amps for, uh, for nothing. One of the singles. Um, but for this, I used my, my Evans, um, solid state and it has all these weird, um, like it doesn't just have like mids, highs and lows. It has like body expand, like all these weird settings on it. Um, but I love it. So I, I use that. And then, um, I think the main pedals that I used, um, are, have a Zen drive pedal that I love. Um, and I also have, um, a delay pedal. It's, it's, um, MXL, I think. MXR? MXR, yeah. Yeah. The Um, carbon copy, the green one? Yes, yes, that is it. Um, And then I used um, another Analog Man chorus pedal. Um, And yeah, I think those were all the pedals that I I used on that. Um, I'm still like 
Definitely. navigating my way through. I don't I don't know quite as much as I would like to yet, but I'm I'm getting there, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I've been since we've been in quarantine, I've gotten a and everything's like on sale because they're just trying to move stuff. I've gotten a few pedals and yes, I've always been like, you know, I do more country Americana type stuff. So I've always been like, give me like a tremolo or reverb and delay and I'm good. Right. But I did, you know, uh, I love like, you know, Waylon Jennings and stuff like that. And so I did uh, get a Dodd uh, phaser and then I got a Klon clone. If you're familiar with the, that, the, so the Klon Centaur is this like ridiculously hard to find like two three thousand dollar pedal. Wow! That hardly anyone has. So people kind of found the uh, schematics and started making their own versions for way cheaper. Oh, cool! And uh, I got one that I really love a lot. Um, but it basically awesome. it, I don't know how it would work with your uh, Evans amp because it basically takes whatever your tube amp is doing and just kind of like pushes a little more out of it so i don't yeah. know how that would work with the solid state but it's it's a great pedal so i've been playing with that a lot that's awesome yeah I, there's so much to dive into there you know i feel like that whole world is just like endless because sometimes i mean sometimes i'll like turn on like four pedals at a time and like find some crazy sounds yeah. with my chorus pedal and sometimes i'll just be like you know what i'm just gonna plug straight into my amp today and yeah, yeah. You start putting too many amps on it and you sound like a shoegaze band. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which like no shade to them. Like that's yeah. sick, but not what I'm trying to do. Right. Especially when you're a songwriter, you kind of need like to be a little more rhythmic. Do you do leads as well or? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to uh, get more into that, um, which has again been a, a quarantine project for me. Just like Same. spending. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I've always wanted to be, to play more like Jimi Hendrix, you know, oh, and wow. it's like kind of combine some like lead lines with like really solid rhythm playing. And, um, one thing I want to start doing when we can finally play live again is I want to like actually take some solos and yes, you know, I just, it's without something that fear. I've, yeah, without <laughs> fear, which is going to take a long time. I'll tell you what, but, yeah. um, it's it's getting there. It's getting there because I love that um, electric sound, and I've always loved rock so much. And it's um, such a mental thing for me when I yeah. take a solo. Anytime I'm like, I always fall back into those like three like little solos I know that aren't that great. And like I've yep. been in my you know vocabulary as it were. Yeah to be able to do better things because I naturally am more of a blues player. So I do like pentatonic stuff and that just gets boring really quick. So I'm trying yeah. to learn more like, you know, the, the chicken picking techniques and, and um, different, you know, melodic progressions and stuff and how to play, how to change, like what notes to go to depending on the chord, like trying to be better about right. those kind of things. And yeah, um, I always just freeze whenever it comes to playing live. Uh, yeah. So it's, it hopefully once all this picks up, maybe I'll, uh, get better at that. <laughs> yes. Yes. You and me both, man. Yeah. It, it is hard. And I feel like, um, you know, if someone were to tell me, I did a bunch of like really nerdy, like improvisation, jazz and blues classes in college. And so if someone was like, here, like 
do some improvising vocally on this song, I would be kind of nervous, but I'd be like, oh yeah, I got this. Like I, right. I could do something that sounds pretty good. But on guitar, I feel like, um, you know, my band is all like super, they're all superstars on their instrument. And so yeah. I'm like still working on, on getting to the point where I'm like, you know what? I am a fucking guitar player and I yeah. will take this solo. It's such um, a head thing. It really is. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I went to school for jazz bass actually. And so, you Oh, can, no way. Yeah, yeah. And you can give me a chart and tell me to play the song and just start it. And I'll probably, you know, I might like the first eight bars, I might kind of flub it a little bit, but after that I'll be, uh, if it's, you know, a standard tune, that's not crazy. Right. I'll probably be fine and, and not sweat at all. But if you right. tell me to play a solo over a song I've been playing for eight years, I'll probably sweat the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how that works, yeah. you know? Yeah, man. I can't wait until we can get out there again. Right. Yeah. You should take some solos on your, uh, Instagram show. I, I've thought about it. Maybe I will. Yeah. Everyone just has to tune in to find, find out. out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, how many songs are on the record? We, uh, is it five? Um, so it's five, um, but six because there's this little uh, interlude. Okay. Um, it's like a little two minute long thing. Um, I also just have like a weird obsession. Um, speaking of the bass, I have a weird obsession with the bass. Not weird. I shouldn't say that, but like I'm obsessed with the bass. Um, yeah. And I, I think... I will be a bass player in my next life. Um, and w one of my best friends from college, um, his name is Max Girl, is just like a crazy, crazy bass player. Um, he's like a jazz fusion dude and just like plays faster than should be humanly yeah. possible. Um, and I wanted to involve him in the record in some way because um, he, he wasn't, you know, the one to play on, on the other songs, but I, I went out to LA um, last October and I was just like, Hey man, I, I want you to do something on the record. What if we did like a short little, like two minute long track that's a bass solo basically. Um, so he's playing these like beautiful chords. And then I just, uh, I also went to San Francisco on that same trip because whenever I go out to California, whether it's like to go to LA or to go to San Francisco, I always try and go to the other one just because mm -hmm. visit friends and family. Um, and so I just made a little voice memo um, walking around on Haight-Ashbury with my mom because I always have to go to Haight-Ashbury whenever I go back. Um, I just turned my voice memo app on on my phone and put it in my back pocket and uh walked around um so it's like street sounds from san francisco and uh this beautiful like bass chord bass solo um for my friend max nice yeah it's really nerdy but um i'm super stoked on how it came out and it's the second to last song and then the last song is like very um 
vibey and moody and has like a couple electronic elements to it, which is a new thing for me. And yeah. That's cool. That's uh, cool. <laughs> are, you, are you a Victor Wooten fan? Have you seen him yet? I I have seen many videos of him. Um, I haven't seen him live. He lives um, out in Dixon. He does? Yeah. And they play at Rudy's Jazz Room, the, the Wooten brothers, a lot. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, his brother's a drummer. Well, wow. they played, I, I guess, when things were happening. I don't know that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'll have to go see him play. That's so cool. I, I was at Rudy's once and Keb Moe was there. Oh, wow. I think it was actually when my friend Max was in town and he was like, yo, we got to go see this show at Rudy's. Like some of my favorite jazz musicians are playing. And I was like, okay, sure. It's wild. Yeah. Like Rudy's and Zany's, you know, are these like small clubs with like huge, like huge names come through and no one bats an eye at, but yeah, I guess it's just cause Nashville doesn't have like a huge comedy or jazz scene. So Right. Right. But that kind of makes it cooler. I think, Yeah, you know, Oh, one more thing. Is it Cassell yeah. or Castle? Cassell. Cassell. Okay, cool. Yep, yep. Everyone, I've gotten Ava Castle more times than I can count, but it's Eva Cassell. <laughs> yeah, well, I wanted to say it right whenever I introduced you at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, word. Thanks. I, I appreciate cool. that. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I'll keep in touch. Awesome. This has been so much fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. I asked Eva to play a song live for me and she chose her song Nana and here it is right now It's not easy to tell you I'm doing well when you don't know the difference But I'd rather lie than hear you cry through the phone If I could, I'd be there to hold your hand and stroke your
It's not easy to tell you I'm doing well When I might not have the chance To tell you All right, that's it for this episode of the Americana Station podcast. Thanks so much, Eva, for doing this Zoom meeting with me. Uh, we have Mona Lisa Tribe. We have Steve Judice coming up. Um, got some more in the pipeline. Keep uh, keep tuning in. I'm going to be doing this weekly for the next month or so at least. Uh, we'll see how it goes from there, depending on uh, how lockdown and everything is. But um, I hope that you're enjoying hearing all this new music. Uh, please tweet me at Will P. Harrison if you have a suggestion. Um, if you are a, a publicist, you can email me at AmericanaStation at gmail.com. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Will Payne Harrison. And uh, you can follow all my playlists on Spotify. It's also Will Payne Harrison. Make sure you follow, rate, and review uh, on your favorite podcast platform whatever that might be. Um, it seems like about half of y'all listen to this on Apple Music, and that is um, one that I could definitely use some more reviews and ratings for. Uh, give me that five-star review. Um, and uh, just leave me a little uh, comment. Tell me uh, what you like about the podcast, what you'd like to see on it. Um, I would love to hear some feedback. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time with Mona Lisa Tribe. Thanks so much. I'm Will Payne Harrison.